In today's episode of Balancing the Christian Life, Jeremy DeHutt tells you why you need to be keeping a journal. Welcome to Balancing the Christian Life. I'm Dr. Kenny Embry. We'll talk about how to be better Christians and people in the digital age. Let's go. What makes your Christian life better? That's a question I've had on my mind a lot lately. There are a lot of people I admire who I think I have something to learn from, and Jeremy DeHutt fits that bill nicely. So when I saw him on Facebook the other day, I thought I'd ask him exactly that question. Jeremy works with the guys at Appian Media. He is both an on-camera host and someone who helps write the material they produce. But that's not our conversation today. I wanted to hear what makes a difference in his life. And, well, I'll let him answer that for you. What is the one thing that you do that really helps improve your Christian walk? The answer to that is journaling. Probably one of the simplest but most profound things that I do in my daily life is I journal. And I've been doing that for, I don't know, six, seven years, maybe. Tell me, why is this not something that we all give up in 11th grade? <laughs> it just depends on what kind of person you are. For some people, writing is therapeutic. They love it. They love putting pen to paper. Some kids start with diaries. You know, this is not that. For some people, writing is just tedious. It's, it's a chore. And so they do what they have to do to get the grades they need. And then they're done. <laughs> And I think I was probably in that boat. You know, when I was in grade school, writing was not my favorite thing to do. I love to read, but I did not like to write. But then when I got into my 20s and started writing for some college classes, writing for bulletins and devotionals and sermons, it got easier. I still didn't come back around to journaling. I didn't do that until I was in my 30s. What does a journal entry look like for you? You know, it's evolved for me over time. During my daily Bible reading, I would look for one or two verses. Journaling coincided with me trying to get into a daily Bible reading habit better. Yeah, I started using Mark Roberts' five-day Bible reading plan to get mm -hmm. you through the Bible in a year. And his plan has you reading from the Old Testament, New Testament, and every other day or so he's got you in the wisdom literature. So for me, I would do my Bible reading and I would look for a verse or two that really stood out to me that either convicted me, encouraged me, or I just had a question about. And then I would take my journal out. I'd put the date. I would record what my Bible reading was. So, you know, I've read from Genesis. I've read from Matthew. I've read from Psalm 1. And then I would copy by hand the verse on the page. And for a while, that's all it was. I would turn the page the next day, date, section of reading, one or two verses by hand. Over time, it's evolved. Usually, I'll have a devotional reading that I'm doing. So some type of book that I'm working through, theological book, and I'll look for a quote that speaks to me, and mm -hmm. I'll copy the quote out and put cite the reference. And then eventually I started incorporating my prayer habit, where I put a section on the page, this is my prayer. And at first it was just kind of bullet point, these are the highlights of the prayer. Sometimes I'll write out a paragraph or two, it just, it just varies. So on any given day, you can open up my journal and you'll see one or two Bible verses copied, a quote copied. These are the prayers that I've been praying. That's actually really smart. Do you know who Jordan Peterson is? I'm not familiar with Jordan Peterson. He said there is no difference between writing and thinking. And his argument is, if you want to become a better thinker, become a better writer. Because a writer forces you to put into language things that you're thinking. I have noticed over the years that 
the process of writing and organizing my thoughts and refining my vocabulary helps me think clearer and communicate more succinctly. Yeah. If you're talking to a smart aleck like me, one of the things you might hear is, okay, you're writing all this stuff. Who's going to read it? Okay, Jeremy, who's going to read it? Me. Um, I don't always pull a previous journal down from several years ago. Uh, mm. That's not a habit that I've got. But I will commonly flip backward in the one that I'm currently working in. And each one can last up to about half a year, depending on how much space you're using. And there's a benefit to that. Going backwards refreshes your memory, especially when it comes to the prayers. It's really powerful to be reminded of what you prayed and to be thoughtful of how did God answer that prayer? If you're talking about a period of weeks or months, the odds are pretty high that God's responded. It's a reminder of seeing God at work in your life. I'm getting more convinced by people like you and Emerson and my dad. It's easy for us to beat ourselves up over mistakes that we've made and decisions that we regret Mm -hmm. without realizing we knew what the options were and there were good reasons for us to make this decision. Yes. And we are often regretful of things that we probably could not have avoided anyway. You know, one of the processes in recording the prayers, there are several different ways to try to sort or organize a prayer, especially Mm -hmm. when you're doing it on a daily basis. And this is a prayer between you and God. This isn't something you're doing at a meal. You're not blessing the food. You're not standing up in public. It gets really personal. Like think Daniel 9, where Daniel is praying praying his uh, confession, or some of the Psalms where David is writing out a poetic confession to God. It's humbling because you should be going through this process of acknowledging who God is, and then you're reflecting on how you've been convicted by the reading you're doing. And so you're being humble and transparent in a way that we need to learn better how to do. I I think we're losing that, that humility and transparency. And so taking the time to slow down and do that, and my personal preference is writing by hand, it forces you to slow down. Especially if you're writing with a pen, you're not going to go back and scratch it out or erase it. You're more thoughtful and intentional with what you're putting on the paper. How long do you spend doing this in a morning? Usually less than 30 minutes, but it's usually about 15 to 30. It depends on how long the the scripture reading is. It depends Mm -hmm. on the devotional book that I'm reading and how long of of a devotion it is that day. I try to pick something that I can get done in that 30 minutes. And then the prayer, usually the prayer follows the reading because I want my prayer to be informed by my reading. What does the format of it look like? You're looking at a blank page. It's tomorrow morning. What are you writing? What order are you writing it in? And how much of that page are you filling up? The the journals that I have really gravitated towards are the ones that I think will last longer. They can hold up to being open and closed multiple times a day that I can put on the shelf. They've got a hard cover. They're just going to last a while. So this isn't necessarily a product promo, but (laughs) <laughs> um, I usually go and I grab moleskin journals. I just, yeah. I like the variety of moleskins and they've got the ruled journals. So I've got the line to use to keep my penmanship a little bit cleaner. Um, <laughs> what I'll usually do is I'll open it up and on the right hand page, upper right hand corner, I'll start just by putting the date down. And then first line on the left, I'll record, this is my reading. So today I'm reading from Genesis one through three and then Matthew uh, chapter one and then Psalm one. And I'll write that down. Mm-hmm. And then I've got my Bible open. I use a real book. I open up my Bible. I'll do my reading. As I go, I'm on the hunt. I'm looking for verses that I've got questions about that convict me, that encourage me. 
And I might mark two or three in each location. And then when I'm done, I go back and out of that collection of about half dozen, I'll pick two. Mm-hmm. Usually one from the old, one from the New Testament. And then I go back to my journal and below that um, heading, I'll copy those verses in. And then I'll set my Bible aside. I'll get my devotional book out and I'll read the selection for that day, whatever that day's mm-hmm. entry is. Same process. Is there anything that convicts me, challenges me, gives me a question? And then I'll go back, copy that in. And that selection can actually be a little bit longer. With the Bible reading, it's just a verse here or there. But in the devotional book, we men are not always as succinct. (laughs) So you might get a small paragraph or whatever. And that quote, I always put on the left page. It's separate. I've got my Bible quotes on the right. I've got my secular quotes on the left. And then when I'm done with my Bible reading, I'm done with my devotional reading, I go to the lower section of the right-hand page, so below my scripture copying, and that's where I will write out my prayer paragraph. And then that format has evolved over the years. When I first started, it was bullet points. I'm praying for these people, boom, 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 boom. And I would put the names down, but if I were to go back to those journals, I couldn't tell you what I prayed for them. I could just see the names. Sure. And then I evolved to using the ACTS acronym, where I would put the A-C-T-S, That acronym stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. I'd put a capital A, give myself a couple of lines, capital C, capital T, capital S. And then I would work down through, what am I going to praise God about today? Mm -hmm. What am I going to confess to God today? What am I thankful about today? And what is my request today? And there are different acronyms you can find to give you structure to your prayer. But if you look at my journal page, every day you could open it up and every day would have that format. You said this is an evolving process, that this Mm -hmm. has evolved. You're a guy who's been doing this for how long now? As far as daily journaling, I mean, you're talking at least seven, eight years. Okay. Somebody's out there, they're a little intimidated by getting a moleskin. When I was younger, I remember reading about Jesus praying all night, and I sat there thinking, I can't even pray two minutes. Once you get past the food, what do you pray after that? (laughs) Right. As I got older, I started figuring out what you pray for. Yeah. But my guess is that same intimidation factor is probably there for a journal as well. For sure. What do you start out with? If somebody was just going to get started doing this practice, what advice would you give? So I've actually given this advice a lot. Over the last decade, I've had the pleasure of doing biblical counseling with a number of people from all over the country. Mm -hmm. It is common that if I do counseling with you at some point, I am probably going to give you the homework assignment of journaling. Mm -hmm. Usually the people who take to it the fastest are the ones who are going through the biggest struggles in life. Yeah, They start small and they will say, that just sounds like so much work. I'm overwhelmed by all of that. So we're just going to start. You've got a Bible reading, pick one verse, just one, do bullet points. It doesn't have to be fancy. Your prayer journal is going to look like what you want it to look like. So pick one half of your page, copy one verse, and do bullet points. But if you want to do more, you can. Yeah. Um, Typically, women jump to writing paragraphs almost immediately (laughs) or or evolve to it way faster than us guys. Yeah. And the women who start with it end up writing pages, not a single paragraph. They write pages. Um which just speaks a lot to how well women communicate. Um, (laughs) 
I'm a communication professor, and one of the yeah. things that I would say is there's a difference in the way we communicate. That's you true. know, I think you're right. Men and women cotton to it differently, but I think they they get a lot of the same benefit. Oh, 100%. You know, one of the books that I read after I had already started this process, but it yeah. reinforced it and gave me some new ideas. Typically, my habit has been around the first of the year, I will pick a new devotional book to read through. So it's not a commentary where it's an expository on a biblical text. Sure. More recently, it has been books on daily disciplines, the value of Bible reading or the value of prayer in your prayer life. Sure. So several years ago, I picked up a book by David Mathis called Habits of Grace. And his premise was that God has created these habits, these daily rituals, these daily routines by which he spiritually blesses us. He spiritually gifts us. And those things are our daily Bible reading where we're exposed to the Holy Spirit and the instruction and the correction and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. I need to be in God's word to receive that blessing. And if I'm not, I'm not going to receive that blessing. The second of the three was this idea of prayer, where after I've listened to God, God wants to hear me. Yeah. And even in the process of prayer, I'm still processing what I just read. So the process of prayer isn't just about asking God for things. Through the process of prayer, God is working on my heart still. The third blessing was the idea of being associated with God's people, fellowship with other saints, belonging to a local congregational body that can encourage you and edify you and provide local accountability. Right. And that accountability is something that's meant to be a part of your regular life, not just these periods of congregational assembly. So those first two really applied to my habit of journaling. You know, this time where I'm in his word and I'm listening to his voice mm -hmm. and then thinking about how I'm communicating with him and even in that process, how he's continuing to work on me. Yeah. Men and women need that same process. Men and women both need to be exposed to God's word and men and women both need to be communicating with their father. Is it going to look slightly different? Well, sure. You know, men and women, the difference in genders, and they complement each other. Yeah. They're not identical, but they have the same spiritual needs. Okay, you're talking a lot about prayer here. And let's face it, God doesn't need us. We need God. It's not like what we're going to ask for from God is a surprise. If God already knows what's on our heart— if this isn't really going to change God, why are we praying? There are a lot of different values to prayer. It is possible for our prayers to influence God in heaven. Does it mean that we will always get what we want when we ask? No, but God listens. Just the act of voicing pain, concern, requests, or praise, the, the fact that I'm interacting with God through prayer is an acknowledgement that he is. It's an acknowledgement that he cares. It's an acknowledgement that I'm not God. It's actually a humbling process from the get-go. So all of those things are benefits to opening my mouth and voicing whatever I'm voicing to God. Paul over in Romans talks about even in my prayer, when I get to the point where I'm just speechless, even in those moments where I get stuck and I'm not quite sure what word to use or what phrase to use, God is still listening. Over in Philippians chapter four, when Paul is encouraging these folks not to be overcome by anxiety, 
Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. And he talks about thanksgiving, that my prayer of thanksgiving, the act of stopping and remembering how God has been good to me in the past and voicing that to God helps reduce my anxiety. There's an immediate benefit to prayer if I'm praying that way specifically. Everything you have to do in prayer makes you a better person. Yes. Humbling yourself. Yep. Being a grateful person. Yep. Recognizing your deficiencies. Mm-hmm. Recognizing that you're not perfect. Recognizing that there's something better than you are. Yes. And placing yourself under something yes. that can help you. Yep. If God didn't change his mind at all, it changed you. Oh, 100%. Years ago, there was a brother and I who would get together once a week for a daily prayer breakfast. He and I would meet before he went to work. We met at the same pancake house every week, same day. We'd get the same breakfast, and then we would pray. And the first year that we did that, we just came up with our prayers as we sat there. Yeah. And then after a while, we thought, you know, what else can we do to help us pray better? We started going through the Bible and looking for prayers that were recorded for us by other people. And they're all over the place. You have Daniel's prayer in Daniel 9. You have Habakkuk, who interacts with God several times, asks him questions. You've got Asaph in Psalm 73. You've got the prayer of Jesus over in John 17. You've got Paul, who commonly will burst into a really quick prayer of praise in the middle of a lot of his epistles. You have prayers all over the place. And going back and looking at the words of their prayers, the posture of their prayers, gives you a lot of direction on how to model your prayer. And there's a benefit to every single one of them. You mentioned Habakkuk. Yeah. Talk about somebody who had a a pretty vicious prayer life there. (laughs) Oh, I love Habakkuk. You know, you have these, as you go through the book, super short book, where Habakkuk is wrestling with the world that he sees. Yeah. His first cry to God is asking, how long before you act on what you see happening down here? And so his prayer acknowledges God, and it acknowledges that God is aware, and it acknowledges that God is in control, but his prayer is, so when? (laughs) When are you going to do something? Because based on your character and what I know, you're not happy. And then God reveals that he's going to send in this foreign nation to discipline Israel. And then Habakkuk's prayer shifts and he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. that's not what I meant. That seems like too much. How can you do it this way? How is that consistent with what I know about you? And God answers him. And it boils down to Habakkuk hasn't had every detail of his requests explained. He hasn't. Where Habakkuk ends up saying, I don't fully understand, and I don't know if I fully get it, but based on who you are and what you're like, I'm just going to trust you. And so it ends in this beautiful statement of faith that no matter how bad life gets, God's worth worshiping. That's where Job gets to, where a lot of Job's questions go unanswered, but he recognizes God is God, and he's good, and he's sovereign, and so I'm going to place my faith in him even with some unanswered questions. Yeah. The other thing that I would say is both Job and Habakkuk, Yeah, literally the way that I read those verses, or read those passages, they're screaming at God. They're screaming. Yeah. They're yelling. They're angry. They're angry at God. Yeah. Because in their mind, he's being unjust. And the thing about it is, is I do not see God saying, 
whoa, wait a minute. Don't give those negative emotions to me. <laughs> I think you see some of that. Yeah. Even in the Psalms. Yeah. Right. Um, some of the Psalms end unanswered, which is kind of a unique thing. Most of the time, the cycle of a Psalm is you've got an issue. The Psalmist cries out. He sees or anticipates God's response and it ends with praise. There are some Psalms that don't go all the way through that process. Yeah. And I think those are intentionally there to help us realize there are times we get to the end of our prayer and we don't see an immediate answer. We don't have an immediate solution. The external pressure isn't immediately taken away. Sometimes that's the way life is. And it's okay. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to express hurt as long as we do it in as reverent a way as possible. I think the family relationship is constructed for us to represent a spiritual relationship. When it comes to prayer, what should you keep back from your dad? Nothing. Look, dad, I am really upset. Right. And these jerks over here, they keep on doing all the wrong things. This is not fair to me. The guy that I voted for didn't get in office. Or or I can't wait until we can impeach that guy or all the things that just don't seem very fair. And as as my son's dad, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, most of this doesn't even make any difference. Right. (laughs) Right. You see what I'm saying? I do. And I'll share, you know, going backwards in the chronology of this, just in my own life. You know, I keep talking about seven or eight years ago, thinking about where I was spiritually seven or eight years ago. Mm -hmm. My wife and I have six kids, two of whom have passed away. Oh, my. Um, We had two special needs sons. The first one passed away when he was six. We just celebrated the anniversary of his birthday this last week. But he passed in March of 2013. So if you're doing the math, that's just a little over seven years ago. Yeah. And then our second uh, son to pass away, uh, Cooper, he passed away in January of 2016. So just a few years ago. By God's grace, by his providence, I started digging into some of these things as we were taking care of their medical needs, and that was intensifying, and then hospice got called in. So for me, it was one of those lifelines where, man, I need God, and I need heavy doses of God, and I need guidance, and I need wisdom, and I need like, it's not that I I would like to have it, like I need it now Mm -hmm. because my family's about to get hit by a mag truck. And it was all of those things. My relationship with God got tighter I would say my wife's did too. By God's grace, our oldest son became a Christian one year after our first son passed away. We had to work through all of that grief, um, help him work through all of that grief. Mm -hmm. There was this really close connection between when I really started digging in on these habits and some of the things that were going on in my life Mm -hmm. and then continuing to benefit from them as I go. There was an evangelist, a friend of mine who was also an elder who had really challenged me. I had gone to him for advice throughout my time as a located evangelist. And I would go to him uh, for wisdom, just input. I've got a situation I need help. And there was one time I went to him and I'd only been preaching for three or four years. And I just said, man, I feel burnout. And he, he could have laughed. You know, here's this kid in his early 20s and he's talking about burnout. <laughs> but he he asked some really great questions. And he said, how often are you reading your Bible? I was like, every day, what are you talking about? Like, I'm preaching twice a week, and I'm teaching two adult Bible classes, and I'm doing studies with people. I'm reading my Bible every single day. Yeah. And he said, that's not what I'm asking you. He said, I'm asking, how often do you slow down and read the Bible for you? 
where you're not reading the Bible to see what you can help somebody else with, but you're spending time with God and his word to see what he has to say to you. How often are you doing that? And it was such a simple question. And I was so convicted by it because I hadn't been. Um, And his observation was, look, the well's dry. You're going to struggle. If the well is dry, there's nothing for you to give. It sounds like what he's asking you is, how's your relationship with your dad? That's what he's asking. Where do you see God in your journal? When I am copying my verses down, Mm -hmm. I see those as God speaking to me. And the prayer just below it is my response to him. Mm -hmm. What I'm seeing from my devotional quotes is other perspectives on the same God. Every time I open that up, I'm looking at the development of my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Several years ago, a buddy of mine, he brought several young guys that wanted to preach and he brought them down to my office and we visited for an hour and they were looking around my library. And so you've got these high school guys, young college guys, and they're like, look <laughs> yeah. at these books. look!" Yeah, yeah. And they all had their notebooks out, like they're taking notes. And they're like, so out of all these books, like which ones are the best ones? <laughs> Anybody who's been collecting books for a while probably has some that are really special to him. Yeah. But I answered it pretty quick. I got out from behind my desk and I walked over to the bookshelf and I showed them a section of about a half dozen different moleskin journals. And I was like, out of all the books in this office, these are the most important to me. This is the chronicle of my relationship with God over the last couple of years. Yeah. Everybody needs that. Yeah, I think you're right. To see the pain that you're talking about, but see the joy that you're talking about. Yeah. To see the decisions that you shouldn't have made and the decisions you did make. It it starts putting your life in perspective. It sure does. I mean, in the middle in the middle of hard things, you you get myopic, right? This tunnel yeah. vision I'm focused on right here and right now. But to be able to go back and say, "Hey, my relationship with God is so much bigger than that, and has lasted so much longer than that." And here are times where I can see He's been at work, and I have faith that that's going to grow. <laughs> that chronicle is going to keep going. It's easy for me to see. God in the rearview mirror, but it's awfully difficult for me to see him in the passenger seat. I'm not sure that I'm convinced on journaling yet. Yeah. But you make it a good argument here. Give me the advice. I, most of my life is behind me, not in front of me. Why should I start writing things down? You are going to benefit from increased memory by having a record that you can go back on and yeah. look at. The more of our senses that we can engage as we interact with God, Mm -hmm. the more it will stick with us later. We end up starting to believe the narratives we tell ourselves about ourselves. When you start recognizing God in, I think you begin to see that your life has purpose, that your life has a plan, and maybe you should start telling yourselves different stories because they're probably more accurate in retrospect. And think about the biblical precedent for that. Yeah. I mean, you think about the value of Moses writing down Israel's history with their king, God. You look at David. David's interaction with God was recorded in poetry that he wrote. So it helped him in his personal relationship. And we benefit because that's a part of the poetic books in Psalms. Start wherever you are. You know, I gave the homework assignment to somebody just this week to start journaling, and it just made sense for that person to use their mobile device. Yeah. You know, they're using their mobile device for their Bible. They've got it with them all the time. Yeah. They don't have to go and purchase another book. 
to journal in a notes file, just an ongoing notes file makes sense. Yeah. For me, that would drive me nuts, but <laughs> but it works for them, right? It works for them. I'm just a romantic when it comes to books and paper, and I just, I love them. I've gotten to the point where I do purchase these things. I've got a system it works. Yeah. So start with what is easiest for you to do and to yeah. be most consistent with. Yeah. And then after you've done that for a while, if you want to try another method, try another method. Sure. But start with what makes sense for you. I end my podcast by saying, be good and do good. What's good? <laughs> so God is good. He is the definition of all good. Yeah. And I love the, the same the same evangelist that I used to go to would end every one of our conversations the same way. If we were in person, he always ended with do good. Jeremy, thank you so much for doing this. If somebody wanted to try and get a hold of you, how would they do that? If someone wanted to try to get a hold of me, they could go to the Appian Media website and they could use the contact us form and that would kick to an email. Um, they could also go to my own website, jeremydhut.com and use that same form and I would get that email more directly. Mm -hmm. um, so either of those places and they could get a hold of me. Well, thanks a lot, Ben. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun for me. I love that. Many people I admire journal and I decided I'm going to give it a whirl and see how it goes. Jeremy, I'm not ready to pull the trigger on a moleskin yet, but thank you for opening my eyes to why it's a good idea for growing Christians. Next week on the program, I'll be talking to my cousin, Craig Embry. He works at a church in the Sarasota area where he's helping them grow through some of the tools of digital discipleship. Craig is a smart guy, and I think he makes some excellent points. Also, could I ask for a favor? If any of these episodes have made a difference to you, could you share them with a friend or two? It would mean a lot to me, and I hope it will make a lot of difference to them too. So until next week, let's be good and do good.